Throughout Lent, we are working our way through Bill Heibel's book, The Power of a Whisper. The chapter that we're going to look at tonight is called Light for Dark Nights of the Soul. And in that chapter, Bill talks about some of the most difficult seasons of his life. In the early years of his ministry, when their new church was struggling to survive, Bill's wife suffered a heartbreaking miscarriage. And shortly afterward, his father died of a massive heart attack at age 52. Bill wrestled with fears and doubts and fierce questions. Why did you let these things happen, God? What am I going to do now? I don't know that I can handle all this. Where are you, God? In the Bible, Job hurled similar questions at the sky. Everything had been going great. He had ample flocks and herds and ten or seven children, and it seemed like everything was going perfectly for him. And suddenly, he lost everything in a single day. All his possessions, all his servants, all his children gone. And then Job got covered head to foot in itchy, oozing sores. Even his wife told him to give up, curse God, and die. But Job held on to his faith. He yelled at God, why are you doing this to me? I've done nothing to deserve it. Why have you let these things happen? How long will I sit here in agony? Many of the psalmists hurl similar questions. Like in Psalm 88, where the writer says, My soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. That's the only psalm that ends in darkness. It speaks to where we find ourselves sometimes, experiencing a dark night of the soul, a prolonged sense of emptiness, futility, and despair. Of all the people that you wouldn't expect to experience something like that, Mother Teresa probably comes to the forefront. You know, we, we think of her as this great saint who did so much to help the lives of the poor in Calcutta and to spread compassion around the world. And yet after her death, when they went through her journals, 
they found that Mother Teresa struggled with her faith. She had so many dark, difficult times that she had gone through. In this one excerpt from the, the publish, her published journals, Come Be My Light, this was one of her prayers to Jesus. Lord, my God, who am I that you should forsake me? The child of your love, and now the one you have thrown away is unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer, no one on whom I can cling. I am alone. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. I am told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. This dark night of the soul was a daily reality for much of Mother Teresa's life. She wore a serene face, a mask, she called it, but inside she felt the same doubts, the same fears, the same despair as Job or the writer of Psalm 88 or the writer of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and, am si- and you are silent. Later in the psalm, he continues, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. It seems to be a description of crucifixion, but it was written hundreds of years before that form of torture was even invented. You've heard those words before. You've felt those words before. Suffering is nothing new to any of us. It comes in different forms and different strengths from a stabbing, searing pain to a dull ache that never goes away to the nagging irritation of a splinter that you can't get out. In Romans 8, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is hope beyond the darkness around us. 
God will have the last word. The Gospel of John says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus told his disciples, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must take place, but the end is still to come. These are the beginning of birth pangs. Labor pangs come unexpectedly. Babies show up on their own timetable. In Jesus' day, they didn't have epidurals and anesthesia. Women had to endure the pain of birth full on. Some still choose to do that today. Others, I can't understand why, Uh, others go through it unexpectedly. The baby comes too fast and there's no time. Bill Cosby said that his wife told him if he wanted to know what it felt like to give birth, he should grab his lower lip and pull it over his head. I swear Sarah wanted to do that to me. (laughs) The pain and the struggle of giving birth can go on for hours. An exhausting process. What keeps a mother going through all that pain? She has the help of those alongside her. The doctors and nurses, her labor coach if she has one, her husband, her family. But what really keeps her going is the promise of new life on the other side. The pain won't last forever. There's hope ahead. Relief is on the way. Soon she'll be cradling her new child, her daughter, her son. In that moment, the pain and exhaustion vanishes, replaced by joy. And wonder. The long wait, the risk, and the pain was all worth it. In Romans 8, Paul says that creation itself has been in labor pains. He says, The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as children, the redemption of our bodies. All of creation is groaning for redemption and release, like a woman in labor, waiting with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. As God's children, we are called to be part of the solution to the suffering and pain in the world by living responsibly and sustainably, by tending creation as God's stewards and reaching out to those in pain. Creation 
longs for us to live like God's true children. In 1 John, the writer says, See what love the Father has given us, that we might be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are God's children. And yet, we are still waiting for adoption to become fully His. Parents who are expecting a child love their unborn baby, but are waiting for him or her to make an arrival, to fully become who God made their child to be. God has already made us His own, but creation and we ourselves are waiting for the day we will become completely who God wants us to be. It's like we're living in two worlds, two kingdoms at the same time. We're living in the kingdom of our sin-riddled, broken, hurting world. And at the same time, as Christians, we live under God's rule waiting for God's kingdom to come in its fullness and for God to set all things right. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. Rather than rip up some of the wheat with the weeds, the owner decides to let them grow together and then separate them at the harvest. One day, everything that causes sin and all who do evil will be destroyed and the righteous, those God has redeemed, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. We wait for God's kingdom with hope. Paul says, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait with hope, not just wishful thinking, but with an eager expectation of what and who we know is coming. Right now, we endure suffering, knowing that suffering ultimately leads to hope. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. One day, God will bring an end to dark nights of the soul. Until then, He promises to be with us through the pain holding our hands in His, wrapping us in His love. There's hope in the midst of the struggle, for Christ is there. Jesus doesn't just give us nice words to help us cope with suffering. He goes through it with us. He lived out Psalm 22 on Good Friday. The night before, He went to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. Gethsemane literally means place of crushing. It was a garden where they gathered olives together and crushed them to make oil. 
And it was also a place where Jesus was crushed. They went to the garden and Jesus said to His disciples, sit here while I pray. And He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. He went a little further, fell to the ground, and prayed that if possible, the hour would pass from Him. Abba, Father, He said, everything is possible for You. Take this cup from Me. Yet not what I want, but what You want. He prayed fervently, begged three times to have the cup taken from Him. His friends all fell asleep. Jesus was betrayed by one of them, denied by another, and abandoned by all of them. The next day, He was scourged and crucified. The sun's light failed from noon until three. Under the crushing weight of our sin and brokenness and pain, Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt abandoned by his Father, cut off from his presence. Jesus has been there in the agonizing, dark night of the soul. He was crushed and broken and abandoned by God. He suffered and died for us. And now, He has new life waiting for us when God's kingdom comes in its fullness. Amen.